Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me, Deuteronomy and chapter number 30. We are now continuing with our series of the Millennial Kingdom. And as we start the actual description of the Millennial Kingdom, we have to take time to explain why does the Millennial Kingdom exist? Why is there a Millennial Kingdom anyways? Is it because God was bored and decided that he wanted just to throw something in just to make something exciting for us to look forward to? Well, we understand that the millennial kingdom is the fulfillment of the promises God made to the Hebrew people. And that four specific promises, four specific covenants or agreements that God made concerning the Hebrew people are going to be the Abrahamic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. And all four of those promises, all four of those agreements, all four of those covenants are going to be fulfilled during the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom is the fulfillment of the promises to the Hebrew people that God has made over time. And so for us to have an understanding about the purpose of the millennial kingdom and what it's there for and what's going to be accomplished by the millennial kingdom, we have to have a working understanding of the covenants ourselves. And so if you don't mind taking your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. The Old Testament book of Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy in chapter number 30. Deuteronomy and chapter Number 30, if you don't mind, notice with me in chapter 30 in verse number 1. And it came to pass when all these things were come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mine among all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And I shall return unto the Lord thy God... And shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity. And have compassion upon thee. And will return and gather thee from all the nations. Whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. And if it any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts of heaven, and from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into a land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers." And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee which persecute thee. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all of his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy land for good. 
And the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou hearken to the voice of thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in the book of the law, and if thou shalt turn to the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your... Excuse me, marking things into your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30? The book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, and notice with me in verse number 5, where it says, The Lord thy God will bring thee into the land. The Lord thy God will bring thee into the land. And with the Lord's help, we'd like to hit another promise that God made to the Hebrew people, talking about the Palestinian covenant the palestinian covenant if you don't mind let's go to the lord together and let's pray dear heavenly father thank you again for you being a wonderful god and we thank you for the evening that you've allowed us to have that you've allowed us to gather together once again thank you for the great services we had in sunday school and this morning and now as we gather together again we're asking that your presence would be placed on this service that you would take over, that you would have your way, that you would show yourself to be God and show how great of a God you are in keeping your word and keeping your promises. As for me, I recognize my own frailties, my frailty of mind, my frailty of body, my inability. I need you. And so I'm asking that you'd fill me with your precious spirit. I'm begging that you would take over and that you would preach this message and that my body would just be your vessel, that you would use it however you see fit and that you would make it understandable and that you would help us to have a good foundation uh, groundwork laid that we could understand what your purpose that you want to get accomplished during the thousand year reign of Christ. Again, make it simple. Let it be understood. Be with the words of my lips. Guard my lips now. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Deuteronomy chapter number 30, we have a transition occurring. That God has taken the children of Israel and has led them out of the land of Egypt. And for 40 years they have wandered around in the wilderness. And they are now preparing to go into the promised land. During this time, they have a brand new commander of, excuse me, of Joshua. That Joshua is going to be the one leading the people. But Joshua is, even though he's been the right hand of Moses, he is untried. He is unproven to them. Meaning that he hasn't led him before. He's always been Moses' servant. And so the people are going into an unknown. They're going to a land which was promised to them. But they have never been there before. They're going into a land with instead of Moses who has led them for 40 years. Going with Joshua who has not led them. And so there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknowns. And the last part of the book of Deuteronomy is the preparation, the encouragement, the teaching of the people. So that way they can go into the promised land. And with it they have promises of God that go alongside with them. And as they're going alongside with them, we understand that this part of Deuteronomy is part of a covenant, part of a promise that God has already made. Notice with me as we quickly glance and show this in Deuteronomy chapter 29, the chapter previous. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 1, it says this, 
These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Skim down with me to verse number 10 if you don't mind. Deuteronomy 29.10 Ye stand this day all of you before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders and your officers with all the men of Israel, your little ones your wives, and the stranger that is in thy camp, and the hewer of the wood unto the drawer of water. <clears throat> that thou shouldest enter into the covenant with the Lord thy God, and into his oath which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he hath said to thee, as he had sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so as we start this, we understand that the Palestinian covenant is an agreement that God made to the Hebrew people because of the agreement that he made concerning Abraham. Now remember that on Wednesday night we explained the Abrahamic covenant. That the Abrahamic covenant is a very special covenant because God pulled Abraham aside. And God had made promises to Abraham that he said, you're going to have a seed. You are going to have a child. And from this child, guess what? All the nations of the world will be blessed. He said, from this child, you're going to have more descendants than the sand of the sea, than the stars in the sky. And then Abraham asked a very logical question. How do I know that these things are going to happen? After all, I'm pretty old. Remember, he doesn't have Isaac till he's 100 years old. So how do I know that these things are going to come to pass? And we described in the book of Genesis what God did is that God had Abraham take um, several different animals, cut them into uh, different pieces to line them up. And so what would happen is that part of the pieces were on one side, part of the pieces were on another. We explain that in the ancient tradition, in the ancient world, that in order to make an agreement, instead of shaking hands like we do or more aptly to sign in triplicate page after page after page, that what they did in agreement for uh, the ancient world is they would lay those animal parts and then they would walk together between those animal parts and that would be an official ritual of an agreement that would sign together. Now remember that God had Abraham put all of the ritual together and then just right before the ritual was going to come to pass, God put Abraham asleep. And God walked through the midst of them by himself. So we understand that God made an agreement with himself concerning Abraham. And that we understand because the way that this was done is that there was nothing Abraham could do to void the contract. There was nothing he can do to void the covenant. There was nothing Abraham could do or his descendants or his seed to make the uh, contract, to make the covenant null and void. And that God made an agreement with himself concerning Abraham. Now as we come and fast forward many years, we understand that Abraham did have a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac had a son by the name of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. We understand that Joseph was one of those sons. He was sent to Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, he was put there as a slave but ended up being second command of all of 
Egypt and that he brought his family into Egypt. They went and stayed at the land of Goshen until finally they rose up a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And there was a big group of Hebrew people there. The Egyptians looked and saw all these people living in their backyard. They said, well, if a war happens, we have all these people that are potential enemies in our backyard. We've got to do something about this. So they made slaves out of the Hebrew people. And for 400 years, God had told Abraham in that promise that we saw on Wednesday that for 400 years, the people would be in bondage and they would not be back into the land that God had promised them. Well, finally, towards the end of it, God had told Moses made and prepared Moses to be the deliverer. God sent 10 plagues upon Egypt, ruined Egypt, and they crossed out of Egypt. Pretty much with the Egyptians throwing all the money they could at him and say, leave, get out of here, go. We don't want you here no more. And so they went. We understand that God crossed, uh, opened the Red Sea and allowed two and a half million Jewish people, Hebrew people to cross the, the Red Sea on dry land. One of the biggest miracles that ever occurred. And now for 40 years they've been wandering around in the wilderness. And about ready to go back into the land that God had originally promised them. And as he's beginning to uh, prepare the people that Moses himself is not going to lead the people. He, God is now making agreement with the people. Maybe basically he is further explaining. He's giving more details concerning the agreement he already made concerning Abraham. So he made a promise concerning Abraham called the Abrahamic covenant. And in the Abrahamic covenant has the seedbeds of all the rest of the covenants. And now we now have further details about the land that God promised Abraham and is going to be delivered to Abraham's seed. So we kind of caught up in history now. We understand where we're at. Now, notice if you don't mind, as we now look, as God is preparing the Hebrew people, he is now telling them what is going to occur. He's telling them what is going to happen concerning the promise. If you don't mind, as we look at the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, let's look at the couple different fillers, different points, different things, promises that God made that is an extension of the Abrahamic covenant that leads into the land that they made. First of all, let us look that God's promised them to gather the scattered Israelites in the world. That he promised he was going to gather those who are scattered in the world. Notice with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30 in verse number 1. And it shall come to pass when all these things were come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee. Now, let's pause here. There seems to be a little bit of information that is missing, if you're going to start from here, that we understand at this time, the children of Israel are not scattered. They're actually right here. They're gathered together in between the two mount, uh, uh, giving the instructions about the, mount, uh, the cursings and the blessings, starting in chapter 28. There's cursings and there's blessings, and they're supposed to read them. And the cursings and blessings go like this. You obey God, guess what? God will bless you. However, 
if you disobey God, there's going to be consequences. And through that, God had told the children of Israel that if you do not obey God, he is going to scatter you throughout the land. Now, at the time of this being read by Moses, that the children of Israel are not scattered. They're together again. So what is going to happen in history? Well, we understand that the Hebrew people are going to go to the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And under the leadership of Joshua, they're going to conquer a decent portion of a small strip of the land that God promised them. And then they're going to arise a people that did not remember what Joshua did. And everyone's going to do what is right in their own eyes. And we come to the period of the judges. During the period of the judges is a horrible time where people did whatever was right. They began to serve other gods. They began to do other things. And they began to turn their backs away from God. And time and time again, God had to get their attention. God had to get their attention. God had to get their attention. Until finally the Hebrew people got the bright idea that said, you know, instead of asking God what we're supposed to do all the time, Let's get a king. Everyone else has got a king. We want someone to tell us what to do. It's much easier for someone to tell us what to do than us to go to God ourselves and figure out what we're supposed to do. So let's do that. And so they got a king after their own heart by the name of King Saul. King Saul reigned for 40 years. And after the 40 years, God gave them a king after his own heart, King David. David ruled for 40 years and he died. And King Solomon reigned for another 40 years. After King Solomon. King Solomon had a son. By the name of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam did not do wisely. But instead took counsel from unwise people. And because of that. The kingdom was split into two. You had the northern kingdom of Israel. And the southern kingdom of Judah. Now the northern kingdom of Israel. Contained ten tribes. So you could keep in your mind. The northern kingdom had 10 tribes. The northern kingdom of Israel had its first king of Jeroboam. Jeroboam set up a false religion, set up a false way of worshiping God, set up a false calendar, and did all kinds of other false things. So much that God, every time he referred to an evil king, he did, it said that he did the same sins as Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who caused Israel to sin. Well, that's pretty bad when you're referred to hundreds of years later that that's the guy who caused everybody to sin. It's the guy who made everyone to mess up. Well, the northern kingdom of Israel, which contained how many tribes? Ten tribes. The northern kingdom of Israel had ten tribes. That they had 18 kings, and all 18 kings were evil. And God finally had enough of them. And 586 B.C., or sorry, in 722 B.C., he had the Assyrian nation destroy and to scatter the northern kingdom of Israel all throughout the known world. Well, the kingdom of Judah started off with Rehoboam as its first king, and it had only two tribes attached to it. It had the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And so the southern tribe, uh, southern kingdom of Judah only had two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. Now, out of these, they had 18 kings. Five kings were good. The rest of the kings were not so good. Until finally God had enough with them. And in 586 BC, he had the Babylonians come and to conquer them, to destroy the temple, destroy Jerusalem, and to scatter all of those people. Now here is where we have to get to a distinction. That the southern kingdom of, Israel, of Judah, which contained two tribes of Judah 
and of Benjamin, they are commonly known as Jews. And so when you refer to Jews, you are commonly referring to the idea of the southern kingdom. People that came from Judah was called Jews. But let me remind you that the promises God made to the Hebrew people were not to the Jews alone. That God did not make a promise to Abraham concerning just two tribes. He spoke concerning all of the Hebrew people, which would include all 12 tribes. And God has kept watch of where the 12 tribes are. He knows where there are and they know how they've scattered. And we know that it doesn't just concern the Jews. It concerns all Hebrew people of the nationality of Israel, the Hebrew people. And so those people were scattered But they were brought together, but not in whole. We understand that the Hebrew people today are still scattered. And that there are more Jewish people living in New York City than the entire country of Israel today. And so we understand they are still scattered and they have never been brought together. Now, that brings me back to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, remember, at the time of this speaking, they are together But what is happening, as God told them in chapter 28, that if you disobey, I am going to scatter you. And that's where we find them today, is that the Hebrew people, all 12 tribes, are scattered and all throughout the world today. Notice what God now says in verse number 1 as we recap and as we explain what happened. It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee. The blessing and the curse which I have set before thee. And thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations. Whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee. And thou shalt return Unto the Lord thy God. And shall obey his voice. According to all that I command thee this day. Thou and thy children. With all thy heart. And with all thy soul. That then. The Lord thy God will turn thy captivity. And have compassion upon thee. And will return thee. A return and gather thee. From all the nations. Where the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. And if any of thine be driven out unto the uttermost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And so the first promise of this Palestinian covenant is that God made a promise to the Hebrew people that he was going to gather the scattered Israelites together. He was going to gather them from all the places in the world. He was going to gather them together. That's part of the Palestinian covenant that God promised to make. Now we understand that this will not happen until the millennial kingdom. It is during the millennial kingdom that God is going to gather all of the scattered tribes and he's going to bring them together into one place just like he promised. That's going to happen during the millennial kingdom. Notice there's a second promise concerning this Palestinian covenant. Notice with me in verse number 5. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it. And he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. So the second promise is that we see that God will restore them 
to their own lands. That God will restore them to their own lands. Now this is very interesting because we understand that God made a promise to them about all the land. And there was no time in Israel's history where they ever possessed all the land. What land did God promise them? He promised them the land from the river Euphrates, which is in modern day Iraq, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. All of that belongs to the Jewish people. From the Sinai Peninsula, all the way up to Turkey, all of that belongs to the Hebrew people. And one day, we know that hasn't happened in history, but one day God says, guess what? All of that land is the Hebrew people. All of that land is going back to Israel. All of that land will be Israel. So imagine this. One day Israel will own Baghdad. One of these days in the future, God, all the Israel people will own Damascus. One day, God, all of God's people Israel will own probably all the way up to Constantinople, Istanbul. That one day... In the millennial kingdom, God's people Israel will own all the way down to Cairo. All of that will be Israel. Israel be, right now they only have a small sliver of land. One day they'll have all of that. And that's what God promised them. That one day you're going to come back and you're going to possess it. And not only are you are going to possess it, you're going to have more than what your fathers have. Multiply thee above thy fathers. That's what he said in verse 5. You're going to get all of it. And so we understand that part of the Palestinian covenant is that God is going to gather all of Israel and he's going to bring them together. We know the second part of this is that he's going to give them all the land that he originally promised them. Notice there's a third aspect of this covenant that he made concerning Israel dealing with the land in verse number 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. We understand that in verse 6 we have a third aspect of this is that God will spiritually regenerate the Jewish people. Basically he's going to do something in their lives to bring them to himself. We call that time the period of the tribulation. The Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time the seven years after the rapture. Remember the next thing on God's calendar. The next event is the rapture. That God is going to call all of those who have been born again. He's going to call them away. And then the seven years of tribulation. God is primarily dealing with his people Israel. For the purpose of bringing them to himself so they would recognize that Jesus was their Messiah after all. So that way they would get saved. And they are going to go into the land that God gave them and possess it being born again people. Being people who trusted that Jesus was their Messiah. And so God says, I'm not just going to give them the land. I'm going to change their hearts too. That is a promise. I have not forgotten them. Then we also see that God made them another promise. Notice with me in verse 7. And the Lord thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and upon them which hate thee and will persecute thee. And so here's another promise dealing with this idea of the Palestinian covenant is that God promised to deal 
with Israel's enemies. God promised to deal with Israel's enemies. Of course, we understand at the end of the tribulation, all of the world's armies will be gathered together against Israel and against God in the valley of Armageddon, the valley of Jezreel. And they're going to say, we hate you, God, and we're going to kill your people. And just when it looks like it's the bleakest, just when it looks like all of Israel is going to be destroyed, Jesus is going to come back riding a white horse. And we're coming back with him. And he's going to come back and he's going to separate the wheat from the tares, the sheep from the goats. He's going to destroy all of Israel's enemies. So the millennial kingdom begins with no lost people. It begins with just saved people, those with redeemed bodies, and those that survive the tribulation trusting in the Lord. What a wonderful time that will be to have a world starting off with no lost people. And Israel is going to come and all of their enemies are going to be defeated. And they're going to have all of the land. And they're going to rule this big chunk of land. And excuse me, Jesus is going to rule from Jerusalem, the capital. Notice, if you don't mind, there's another tenet to this Palestinian covenant. And notice with me in verse number 8. And thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all of his commandments which I command thee this day. And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thy hand and the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy cattle and the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as he rejoiced over thy fathers. And then he Verse 10, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in the book of the law. And if I turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, nor is it far off. So the last tenet of this Palestinian covenant is that first of all he said that guess what? One day I'm going to gather all those that are scattered. Second of all, he said, I'm going to restore them to their lands. They're going to have that big chunk of land. He said, third of all, I'm going to spiritually regenerate them. I'm going to make sure that I bring them to myself and that they trust Jesus as the Messiah. He said, I'm going to deal with Israel's enemies. But guess what? That's all in the future. Let me give you a promise now. Here's the promise. Ready for it? You obey God now and I'll prosper you now. That's pretty good. You don't have to wait to the future. You don't have to wait. These promises are given to the people and said, guess what? You don't have to wait thousands of years before this comes to pass. You obey me now and I'll bless you now. That's a great promise, isn't it? You'll just obey what I told you to do and I'll bless you. I'll prosper you. I'll let the things, the fruit of your hands, the fruit of your loins, the fruit of everything. I'm going to bless it and I'm going to rejoice over that. You know, that's a promise that we could take to ourselves now. If we just obey God now, he promised to bless us. Now, I'm not talking that, you know, if you decide to show up at church, he's going to give you $100. We're not talking about that. But you understand that God, if you just obey God, God wants to do good things for you. He wants to take care of you. Just like a father wants to do good things for his children. We're his children if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. You just obey God, and guess what? He wants to do good things for you. He loves you. You know, if if your child decides that, I don't want to obey you. I'm not going to do dishes. Instead of do dishes, I'm going to put put all the breakable glass, and I'm going to throw it on the floor. And then with the uh, floor covered with glass, and they look up to me and say, Hey, by the way, uh, 
can you buy me a brand new lunchbox? Am I going to be quite inclined to go hook them up? Probably not. But you know, if they say, you know what? I love you, dad. And I, I, you do so much for me. Let me go ahead and do these dishes. And let me do the best I can. You know what? If I find out they have a need and I'm more inclined as a father to try to take care of them because they showed love, because they were obedient. Now, remember, you're not doing things in order to get something from God. We're doing things because of what God's already done for us. You know, it's easy to obey God when you realize how much he's done for you, when you realize what he's done for you. And then he just reciprocates more and more love back to you. That's a blessing. God's great. And that's just a simple promise we can all apply to our lives. That if you just obey God, he promised to bless you. Well, I like that. So let's wrap this up now. What's the significance of this promise? What's the big deal? Well, the significance of this is that we understand that this promise is specific to the literal nation of Israel, including all 12 tribes. Now, the reason why I have to say that is that maybe as I'm explaining this, you're like, duh, of course, why not? But we understand there are some people that unfortunately have said that the Jewish people have defaulted on God's promises, meaning that they ticked God off so much that God just wiped them off. And instead, we as white Americans, we inherit the promises. No. And I wish I didn't have to say that, but someone tried to give me a library uh, of a bunch of books. And almost every single book in that box was talking about how we as white Americans inherit the promises of the Jewish people because they defaulted. No. No, no, God made a promise to the Hebrew people that they will get the land. So we're not saying spiritual Israel, we're saying literal people of Israel, they are getting the land. They are the ones that the millennial kingdom is for. We get to enjoy the benefits of God's promises to the Hebrew people. But we're trying to let you know so that way you're not discouraged. You're not deceived. We're talking about the literal people of, of Israel. The literal Hebrew people. They are getting the land. It is their land and they're getting it back. Now, these promises obligate God to never terminate his special relationship with the Hebrew people. What do I mean by that? That the Hebrew people still are to this day God's special people. And that we, because they're God's special people, we need to go out of our way to go be a blessing to them. I love finding Hebrew people. Sometimes you'll find them in coffee shops. I haven't found uh, too many here in the Green Bay area, but... When I find them, you know, sometimes I'll see them wearing their caps and they're reading uh, from their Torah. And I'll go right up to them and say, I want to let you know that I'm so thankful for you being one God's people. What can I do to be a blessing to you? And they all look at me like, what in the world? Crazy guy talking to me. But you know, step out of your way to be a blessing to them. Find a way to be a blessing to Hebrew people. They are still God's people. And he has never severed that connection to those people. They may be in disobedience now. But they're still his people and he's still going to bring them back to himself. And that we have a responsibility of trying to reach out and be a blessing to them. Now the ultimate fulfillment we know is in the future. And that in the future they're going to have this land. But as I described the other day with Abrahamic covenant. An important message for us is that God never 
fails to keep his word. That for thousands of years he made a promise to the Hebrew people. And it hasn't been fulfilled yet, but it will be fulfilled. He will do what he said he was going to do. And that for us, we could realize that God is going to keep his promises to us. That if God can manage to remember a promise he made a th several thousand years ago to a different people, and he's still going to do it, he could remember the promises he made in his Bible that's written down and said, by the way, I told you I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He made you a promise that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are all promises. Those are promises that we could cling on to. Those are promises we could hold on to. We understand that God made a promise to answer prayer. Sometimes you may pray and say, I don't know if God's listening. Well, he made you a promise that he would listen. He made you a promise that he would answer. We could take it to the bank. You understand the God's promises, he's going to keep them. He's a God who has to keep his word. And that should encourage us that we have more faith and trust in his Bible. More faith and trust that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. It should give us a firm foundation to stand on and not a one that we're standing on sinking sand trying to say, I don't know what's going to happen. We're standing on a firm foundation because we have a God who cannot lie. That God is going to keep his promise to the Hebrew people and we get to watch in amazement. What an amazing time that will be when we say, look, after all these thousands of years, look, God kept his word. Man, that is an exciting time to watch God fulfill it after all that time. There's going to be a lot of shouting on that day as a lot of people are excited to say, look and see what God did. He kept his promise. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.